How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily podcast on the New York Knicks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, my city and wide. Yeah, let me take my time. I'm on my grind. Gotta make sure that we shine. What's yours is mine, and what's mine is yours. HR to the death and first always my team for sure. Go roll. Can't fall off. Got a family support. Gotta make sure we succeed and reach our dream. Now live through me. I'm about to take off. Yeah, and it's no days off. Hello and welcome. The Locked On Knicks podcast. This is episode 145. I am your host, Jared Dubin. This is the ninth in our series of podcasts on 2017 NBA draft prospects. Just in case you missed the first eight episodes on French point guard Frank Nilakina, Kansas forward Josh Jackson, Washington point guard Markel Fultz, Arizona forward slash center Lowry Markinen, Kentucky guard Malik Monk, UCLA point guard Lonzo Ball, Florida state forward Jonathan Isaac, and Duke forward Jason Tatum, let me give you an overview of how there will be 10 of these podcasts in total. They are in a completely random order. I put the 10 prospects that people told me they wanted to hear about in an order randomizer, and this is the order they came in. So don't read anything at all into who goes first or last or anything like that. In each episode, I talk to Sam Vecini, whose work you might know from CBS, Sporting News, Vice, or elsewhere. I talk to him about each prospect's best-case scenario, their worst-case scenario, and their most likely career path in the NBA. This gives you a sort of holistic idea of what each player is like and where they might fit in the NBA ecosystem. As you'll hear me say throughout the podcast series, I tend to place more weight on the most likely career path as opposed to the ceiling or floor as many other evaluators do. I explain why in the podcasts. After I hang up with Sam, I talk to Brian Gibberman, who I've had on this podcast several times. We talk mostly about how each player might fit with the Knicks based on a variety of different criteria that I mostly took from an email sent to me by a listener named Q. I adjusted Q's system a bit, so Brian and I grade each prospect on a scale from 1 to 5 in the following categories. Current talent, star potential, fit with Kristaps Porzingis, defensive potential, and fit in the triangle offense. The last point may be only a short-term concern because Phil Jackson isn't likely to be around for the long haul, and the next regime isn't likely to retain the triangle, but triangle fit does seem likely to factor heavily into Phil and his staff's evaluations, so we had to include it. Uh, After that, we discuss whether the player has the potential to be better than Porzingis if he hits his peak. The hope is that by talking about each player purely as a prospect and then talking about how he fits with the Knicks, you get a pretty good overview. Uh, Definitely let me know if you like the pods and if there's anything else you want to hear because I want to make these as informative as possible. I'm trying to give you a lot of detail about what you can expect if the Knicks make any of these selections because this is obviously a really big pick for the future of the franchise. And uh, now let's get you to the first part of the pod with Sam Vecini. Sam, how are you, man? Thank you once again for coming back and doing this. We're on our second to last prospect. Yeah, how's it going, Jared? We're doing excellent over here. 
I'm doing great, man. Let's uh let's talk some Dennis Smith, why don't we? Point guard from North Carolina State, six foot three. Uh, averaged 18.1 points a game in 34.8 minutes for NC State this year. Shot 51% on twos, 36% on threes. Got to the line 6.3 times a night uh, where he made 71.5%. Averaged 4.6 rebounds, 6.2 assists, 1.9 steals, 0.4 blocks. Before we get into his best case, worst case, and most likely scenario, what should people know about Dennis Smith Jr.? Okay, so yeah, Dennis Smith's like a six foot three point guard uh, out of NC State. Obviously, played on a really bad team this year, right? NC State was, uh, you know, not great. I think by any stretch of the imagination, I think that that is pretty fair to say. Uh, ended up getting Mark Gottfried fired. Um, I would say wingspan. You're talking somewhere in the six four, six five range. Uh, you know, n- not overly long, but not short arms. I mean, I guess that that's kind of a short wingspan, but you know, for the point guard position, it's not going to be disastrous length either. Um, one thing to note: uh, frame is still filling out, still pretty skinny in terms of his overall build. Uh, you know, it's going to take some time, I think, for him to continue to put on body strength. But uh, in that same light, he also tore his ACL in 2015, I believe the summer of 2015, at Adidas Nations. And it took him about a year to recover. Uh, came back at Adidas Nations last year in 2016. And that was kind of his reintroduction to, you know, dominating college basketball this season because he was terrific again this season. Uh, you know, like you said, I believe you threw out his numbers at 18 points a game, six assists. He was tremendous. He's awesome on the ball screen, uh, really understands how to just manipulate uh, you know, players around him manipulate the defense around him. Watches a lot of tape of Chauncey Billups and Chris Paul. He told me uh, to try and figure out how to do that. And the key thing out of all of this is that he's probably the most explosive athlete in this draft. It's either him or Hamadou Diallo uh, out of Kentucky. But I would say that Smith utilizes his athleticism better than any prospect in this draft. He is lightning quick with his first step and genuinely could win a dunk contest someday with his leaping ability. So uh, that's kind of what you're talking about with Dennis Smith. Just a very, very, very good uh, athletic point guard prospect. I think that he's really interesting because, you know, he has these great numbers. And like you mentioned, he's got like this uber athleticism. But I do feel like he's become one of the more divisive prospects like people either love him and are like you know why why don't people think he's better than ball and fox or people don't love him and it's like well maybe he's better than neil akina um and i think it's interesting that a guy with such good numbers and such great athleticism has you know become someone who's people are sort of all over the map on so yeah, I think that there's a reason for that. It's because, you know, his team didn't win mm-hmm. and he has an injury history. He's slight of frame. And let's be clear, he was kind of an asshole to his teammates, it seemed like at NC State. Like it he would give them really dirty looks. He would not be afraid to I don't want to say like I mean I, he, there were times it looked like when he like got in their face a little bit, yelled at them a little bit, uh was a little bit upset. So you know, I think that he is someone that it's 
he can be frustrating to play with sometimes. But in terms of overall talent, his upside is probably higher than anyone not named Markel Fultz in this draft. And a lot of people, a lot of times people conflate upside with most likely outcome. And I feel like that's the way that you structure the podcast that we've done so far, the way that you do. And that's kind of why I think there's such a divergence in opinion, right? It's because he's, you know, kind of a, you know, yeah. kind, of, kind of yeah, mercurial in a way, I guess. Yeah, and look, we'll, you know, we'll get to, you know, the, the most likely scenario later, but I do think that there's a pretty wide gap for him between the best case and the worst case, and I have honestly no idea where to put the most likely scenario for him, and, you know, we'll get to that part later. Nope. Um, I, I do think the upside is super, super high, though. So let's let's talk about that first as we have throughout the process. You know, if, if everything comes together the way you want it to for him, what do you see his impact being? Slightly worse Russell Westbrook. Yeah, that's, um, that's sort of the thing that people have landed on. Yeah. yeah, like he is a really good passer. He is really good in the pick and roll. He is an elite level explosive athlete. And if the injuries hold off and nothing goes wrong, yeah, like multi-time all-star, five, six-time all-star who could, you know, become this incredible offensive dynamo for NBA teams in this pick-and-roll heavy era. Yeah, he, uh, he, I, I think people know at this point, I went to Miami and he straight up, like, I think, I think we went one-on-one, maybe two-and-oh against them, but he killed us in both games. Like One game he had 31 points and nine assists and was absolutely getting whatever the hell he wanted. And in the other game he had like 21, five, and five, and a couple steals and whatever. Like, he was ridiculous. Um, That was not obviously the only games where he did that. He had like a couple other, I think, 30-point games throughout the season, one of them against Duke, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, also had multiple triple doubles. Yeah, he's like, the athleticism is just insane. Like, especially for a guy that has torn his knee. Um, and I think that that's, that plays into some of the Westbrook comps too, because obviously, you know, Russ has torn his knee and like is freaking Wolverine and somehow still like the most athletic guy in the league. Um, I mean, Russell Westbrook played basketball with a dent in his face. Like, that cannot be overstated. There was genuinely a dent on the right side of Russell Westbrook's face. And he played basketball like nothing was wrong. Well, mostly because there was nothing wrong. Like, he's Wolverine. You know, they just had to upgrade the, the, you know, whatever it is, the body armor or whatever it was. Yeah. But here's the thing, though, too, against more athletic teams, and we can kind of go into the downside maybe now with Dennis Smith because we're agreed on the upside right like yeah no there's he does. no arguments like the upside is yeah. you know top five or six point guard in the league that is by the time Westbrook's athleticism ever starts winding down if that ever happens like this guy would then be the most athletic point guard in the league right so against athletic defenses this year there were some chinks in the armor, right? Like Dennis Smith put up eight points and turned the ball over five times against Louisville. And he put up eight points, turned the ball over three times, uh, had, I believe, something like maybe a few assists, five assists against Florida State. But 
wasn't all that impressive, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, against Clemson, who actually does have quite a few like big, athletic, long wings in Jerome Blossom game, Dante Grantham, um, seven points, three assists, four turnovers. Like he showed some issues against the kinds of defenses that could potentially cause him issues, right? Now, some of that is that he was figuring things out, right? Like he's young and he didn't exactly play a ton of like hyper athletic defenses this year. Like North Carolina, again, 11, five and five against that team on four eleven shooting, but like Boston college, Georgia tech Pitt, wake forest, Syracuse play zone. Um, Miami's defense wasn't all that impressive this year. Whoa, 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 um, whoa. We were a top 20 defense this year. Were you? Yeah, we're, I think we were 21. That's not bad. We're not, man, we're not I, like a super athletic defense other than Bruce Brown, though. Right. So, like, that that's kind of, I guess, what my thought process was. They finished 25th in overall defense. Um, but, again, not, like, super athletic. Like, guys like Davon Reed and Bruce Brown are really good defensively, but the bigs, Kamari Murphy, Anthony Lawrence, like, DJ Vasiljevic. Those guys are more Jaquan movers small. than athletic guys. Right. So, you know, it's that's not why like I was impressed with what he did against us because we were a good defensive team and he just tore us up. Yeah. And against Virginia, 13 points on four of 14 shooting. So like against Clemson, 13 points on five of 11 shooting. So he definitely saw his performance drop against the good defenses mm-hmm. that he played. Right. Um, that, that's cause for concern for sure. But how much of that was okay we're out of this. We suck. I don't care anymore. I just want to get to the NBA healthy. Um, Why should I care about this? Because, you know, he was in double figures every game up until game 21. And then kind of just dropped off a cliff a little bit at the end. I don't want to say dropped off a cliff. Maybe that's, that's probably unfair, but like his last five games, he averaged, you know, what like 13 points and three assists you know so i think there was definitely a factor of checking out in a way right yeah i would say that that's probably accurate um you know checking out more so than like he wasn't like he was still like pretty good and could have impacted the game he just kind of floated a little bit i guess if you talk about the the late season games um the worries for me are more uh physical stuff um like i do not think that there's a whole lot there defensively i think that you know probably on that side of the ball he's going to wind up being below average um i guess i could see a scenario where he becomes an above average defender but i don't think it's super likely you know you combine that with the fact that like he is this incredible athlete, but he's also, you know, to do the kind of things he does sort of super dependent on the athleticism. And if it goes at any point, you know, he becomes a much different kind of player. And, you know, if he stays uber athletic for 10 years, then okay. Like it doesn't matter. But if it goes in, you know, the mid to late twenties, then all of a sudden you're looking at a guy who's not nearly as impactful uh, as you want throughout like the second contract, for example. And, you know, I mean, if he lasts until he's 28 athletically, then an NBA team will be fine. You know, like they'll be happy with that. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree. But if it's, you know, 25, 26 and the athleticism gets to 80 to 90 percent instead of 120 percent, 
Um, you know, I think he becomes a much different player just because of how much he depends on it to get where he get wants to go on the court. It seems like he gets to his spots because of the athleticism and the burst rather than because of any sort of pacing, if that makes sense. You know, it's, it's less that he has control of the floor than that he just sort of goes wherever he wants to go. Uh, Russ is kind of the same way, but, you know, he's now in his late 20s and he's a freaking cyberhuman. Uh, it's it's certainly possible Smith is that as well, but I am worried about if the athleticism drop-off happens at any point, what happens to him as a player, and I think it could be exacerbated because of the knees. Like, I think that's it's a concern that he's had, you know, the ACL injury. Um, obviously, I don't know anything about his, his medical checks, but certainly it's not the best thing in the world to be taking a guy that has torn his ACL. You know, it's it's a concern there. So to me, you know, the defense and if there is a drop-off in athleticism, um, you know, are, are sort of worrisome. You know, you combine that with the fact that if he can't get to all of his spots on the floor, I think all of a sudden you can crowd him on the perimeter, and then I'd be a little bit worried about the jumper too. I know he shot 36% from three this year, but I think if teams could crowd him more, then he might not necessarily be able to shoot as well. So I'm a little bit worried about that as too, too in terms of the downside. What I'll say about the defense is that a lot of it had to do with being lackadaisical again this year. Um, definitely has good instincts at getting into passing lanes. Uh, very good at getting out into trans- transition. Um, you know, when he's locked in, he's not a bad defender. So I think he's going to be okay in that regard. Like, he's not going to be switchable. He's not going to be, like, this elite-level defender, I don't think. At least probably not. But the tools are there for him to be a good defender. Like, if, if we're going to say that the tools are there for Markel Fultz to be a good defender, Smith might not be as long, but he showed better instincts on the defensive end. So I, I think that, you know, we should probably, you know, give give at least a slight benefit of the doubt a little bit. Um, decisions, again, are going to be key to. He needs to make the right decisions. Um, turn the ball over quite a bit this year. I think something like four turnovers per 40 minutes. Um you know, yeah, he, he's a he's a polarizing kid because a lot of his profile says going to be a 20-point-per-game scorer on a bad team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he needs – he doesn't re- – did he really elevate his teammates at all this year? Um, but then, you know, like, Markel come back Fultz. to that, though, could those teammates be elevated in that situation? Like, Oh, I, I think that he had a lot of talent on this team. I, I will – say that but like he had i'm talking about like the way the season sort of spiraled for them and they, they were just so bad and the, they like sort of quit on the coach um like there's situations where even though you have good teammates there's just nothing you could do to bring them up because things sort of spiral out of control i think it's possible that this was one of those scenarios and i think that probably happened but even early in the year before things spiraled he didn't really do a ton to like make his teammates necessarily better right Mm -hmm. like that team probably had seven or eight guys that will play professional basketball somewhere right and they were just bad like they they were an awful basketball team so i think that with him it's a more valid concern than markel fultz right like fultz had like one guy on that team that will do anything professionally in basketball i think nc state had guys like Maverick Rowan, um, Malika Boo, 
uh, Torin Dorn and Terry Henderson are decent basketball players. Like Omer Yurtsevin obviously was at the NBA Draft Combine and uh, actually played reasonably well at the NBA Draft Combine in five on five. So, you know, I think it's a concern that they need you need to figure out the best way to get the most out of um, your talent and your pieces around you as a point guard. And I'm not quite sure that Dennis Smith did that this year. What's the best way to get the most out of him? Like, is, is he a guy you drop into sort of a spread system? Like, I don't know. I mean, for any point guard, the, the best way to get the most out of them is to have a spread system in the half court with a bunch of shooters, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why we see uh, so many of these teams now, is, like the Houston Rockets and even like Cleveland, for instance. Cleveland um, is running a lot of spread pick and roll now. Like, it, it just like, th- that's the best way to do it. And he would certainly be best off in a situation like that. Is he, do you think, and this is, you know, still, I mean, I guess this is not really upside or downside, but. Do you think he's instinctive enough to pick out the right passes in that situation? Or is it going to be more of a spread it out with shooters so that he can attack downhill kind of thing? I think it's the latter is sort of more likely, but I'm not even sure that's a bad thing. You know, if he stays, you know, with the athleticism that he has, you want him attacking downhill. I like his tempo that he plays with a little bit better than you do, I think. Um, I do think that he kind of innately understands just how to like get guys on his hip, how to kind of slow down a little bit, but he often doesn't make the right decision whenever he makes those calls in my opinion. Right. Mm -hmm. So that that's kind of why I'm a little bit more concerned with him in that regard. But, um, you know, nonetheless, you have a guy that's an incredible athlete who, understands how to play in the pick and roll and those guys are rare and they should be fostered and the best way to foster point guards now is with shooting just surround them with shooting and see what happens but that's obviously easier said than done right like we've been talking about how it's so difficult to find wings who can shoot and create their own shots um you know it's tough he's going to be as with many point guards uh he's going to be someone that you know obviously you hope to surround him with the right mix of talent yeah, and look, a lot of it's going to be situation dependent. If he goes to a place where he's got to play with crowded lanes, that's going to be an issue, as it would for, for most other players. Um, so mm-hmm. here we come to, <laughs> I don't even know where to go with it, but what do you have as sort of the most likely case scenario for him? I, I think this is super difficult to suss out just because you know a lot of it, again, is going to be situation dependent. A lot of it depends on how you think his his knee will hold up um, you know, on how you think he'll translate defensively on how you think he'll translate attitude wise. Um, and, and that's sort of all over the map and difficult to predict. So I, I really don't even know where to come down here, but where are you at? No, I have no idea. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so hard. I, I will say, um, I think I'm on the lower end of the spectrum for him. Like, I'm not anywhere near those people who are like, I think he's the second best point guard in the draft. I think that's sort of lunacy. Um, like, to me, I would have him clearly behind uh, the, fir- the the first three guys, like Fultz by himself, and then Ball by himself, and then Fox by himself, uh, and then, you know, Smith and Neil Aquina to me. Um, I'm curious if you're in sort of the same camp. Um, in terms of... 
upside. I think he has a higher upside than yeah. Lonzo Ball. And no, yeah, I'm I'm talking about more in the most likely case scenario. And um, most likely scenario. Yeah. Just because I can't get a handle on it, I feel like that means it's not high enough for me to put him ahead of the other guys, if that makes sense. Yeah, he has... I mean, if you do it as like a most likely scenario where you kind of do it as an expected value equation where you you know, measure the 10% chance that he is a, um, you know, like a bad fit for winning basketball and a 20% chance that he's X and a 30% or a 20% chance that he's an all-star or whatever like that, you probably come down to like, he's going to be like this mid tier point guard that um, has value, but uh, is probably the third or fourth best player on a team that is consistently good in the playoffs. Um, He's not going to go that way though. Like he's either going to be a guy that, you know, puts up a bunch of bad points on, on like bad teams, or he's going to be like a superstar. Yeah, I would agree. So, I don't think there's like a middle ground for him where you're splitting the difference. I think he's going to be really good or he's going to be like, man, Dennis Smith, like, you know. Like one of those guys that people are like shaking their heads at all the time. Good chance to get a general manager fired. We talked about that with Malik Monk. I think that Dennis Smith could also get a general manager fired. Yeah, you know what? He might take the title from Monk in terms of the most likely to get GMs on either side fired just because there's mm-hmm. so much volatility there. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah. So look, and, and I think that this makes it difficult to talk about his fit with the Knicks as well, but going to do that next anyway uh, with Brian Giberman. Sam, thank you for coming on to talk Dennis Smith, man. And uh, next time, last one. Yep. Sounds great. Brian, thank you for coming back, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Excellent. Let's uh, let's talk about a guy who is being heavily mock drafted to the New York Knicks right now, Dennis Smith Jr. from North Carolina State. Let's get right into it. Current talent, one to five. Dennis Smith, where do you come down? Five, and that's part of the reason, and a, and a high five. That's part of the reason. I don't actually think he'll be there when, when it's all said and done. I don't think he'll be around for the Knicks to pick. He can pretty much offensively. He can pretty much do anything he wants. The jumper was inconsistent, but it was it was solid. He can his great handle, good passing, helps on the out on the boards decently for a for a point guard his size. Uh dis- disruptive with the steals, even though he can be more consistent. The turnovers are a problem, but when he's creating like he did in that situation at North Carolina State with the lack of shooting you're okay with those turnovers to an extent that you don't you don't pound your head about them. Uh, a supremely talented player and even has the tools to be better defensively than he was, and you wonder if in the right context that shows out okay. Yeah, I came down at a four. Um, the, the inconsistent shooting that you mentioned, the turnovers that you mentioned, and I, I was not impressed with his defense. I know the steals were there, but, you know, like I talked about with Sam, it was 
kind of like a Fultz kind of thing. I know he was, you know, he was on a bad team with, but he didn't have bad teammates, and they were just not good. And his defense, I think, was a bit of a problem for them. And to me, that's concerning. You know, I see a lot of the non-shooting, no defense, attack-minded point guard there. And you know, I already said this on Twitter. I might as well get it out of the way. To me, Dennis Smith would be the that Derrick Rose experiment really worked out great. Let's run it back. Pick. Um, so I'm not necessarily enthused, even though I do see the reasons that some other people like him better than me. Let me. The difference is, I don't think the Rose fit the issue as much as with KP. Look, he missed them, and that's obviously a problem. But in the bigger context, Rose and Mel, the problem was more having Rose and Mello with KP. If you would have just had Rose or just had Mello with KP, I think it wouldn't have been nearly as bad. So if you take Dennis Smith, there's no Rose in the equation, there's no Mello in the equation, and you're constructing your entire offense around them, you're running your late your late shot offense around them, your late game offense around them, I think it's okay. I don't think, I don't think you're going to run into an issue there. You'll get plenty and plenty of KP being involved in the offense. Yeah, to me it's more, it's, it's sort of a similar thing as Rose where Smith is the kind of player that would benefit more from KP than KP would benefit from him. Um, and that's fine. You know, certainly you want to maximize another lottery pick, and it would be it would be really nice to to have a point guard that can attack the rim and gets a whole lot of space to do it because of KP. But I, I would prefer a guy who is more likely to maximize Porzingis than a guy who is likely more likely to maximize himself because of Porzingis. That's just a personal preference kind of thing there. And um, you know, again, the uh, the inconsistent shot worries me. The defense worries me. Um, the knee worries me, which we'll get to when we talk about the star potential and uh, and if we think he can be better than KP. But so th- there are a bunch of concerns there for me that, that he's not my favorite prospect in this draft. Um, he's he's very high risk, high reward. Yeah, and that's where, that's where we'll get on the next section because so star potential again uh, on, on your end, it's you know what is the the highest level of impact he can have on a scale of one to five. And on my end, it's more of a how likely is it that he becomes a star-level contributor? Um, you know, so you get a sort of holistic view there. And like you mentioned, I feel like he is either going to be a star or he is going to be like a puts-up-good-numbers-on-a-bad-team kind of guy. And there's really no in-between. So it was very difficult for me to come up with a, a star, my half of the star potential ranking. And I'm guessing that you came down on a five because the ceiling is definitely super high. Yep, I did. One thing I like about him is that the, the ability to get to the free throw line, he did that at a very high rate in college. And I think an important part of being a star is still being able to produce positively offensively, whether it be through passing, whether it be getting your buckets in different ways by getting to the rim and getting fouled, is that you can find ways to score when you're not shooting at your best. And I think that's a very good skill that Smith does have that kind of helps him there. Yeah, I mean, it helps that, like, he'll almost instantly be one of, like, the three or four best athletes at point guard when he comes into the league. The athleticism is crazy, you know, and like I talked about with Sam earlier in the pod, uh, very much like Russell Westbrook, he tore his ACL and is like Wolverine. He's just still preposterously 
athletic, and that obviously helps him with that free throw drawing that you mentioned, just because he could sort of get to to pretty much any spot on the floor at will. And uh, that that obviously helps if you want to be a guy that draws a bunch of free throws, gets to the basket, finishes at the basket. Um, the thing that that worries me there is if the athleticism dips by, you know, 10, 15, even 20 percent, what kind of a player is he? You know, all of a sudden you can crowd him more on the perimeter, doesn't have as much space to get off that jumper, and it becomes more of an issue. So that that's, that's something that I worry a little bit about as well. The likelihood that he becomes a star, you know, like I said, I'm a little bit lower on him than people than other people are but i still think the likelihood is is like above average just because the athleticism is so crazy and if there is no dip then it seems like he's gonna be a guy who does a whole lot of the things that you want a point guard to do so i wound up coming down with a four he's just he's got to cut out the shit shots he shot 30 percent on two-point jumpers only 3.1 he's got to cut those out he's got to like pretend to try on defense and he has the foot speed to be reasonably decent there right it's it's not like a um a, a situation like say Malik Monk where you know he doesn't really have the frame or the size or the, the length to be an impact defender like Smith has crazy athleticism he's got good size he's got good length he should be a, a moderately impactful defender, if not an above-average one. And I didn't really see that uh, in his play at NC State. And I, if he if he gets there on that end, then, then yeah, like the, the dude will probably be, you know, if not a star-level contributor, pretty close to one. You know, an above-average point guard that, that hovers around the back half of the top ten um, at the position. Uh, you know, and it, that's there. You know, it's just got to come together, and he's got to not take terrible shots. He's got to not, like, feud with his teammates or his coach. You know, it could be a volatile situation. And I, I think it's 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 going to be an either-or situation. Like, I don't see him settling in as, like, a, you know, 17-6 and six guy, you know? Yeah, maybe of... If it goes wrong, maybe a, a guard, a scoring guard off the bench, he does the Jamal Crawford thing as a positive way to look at if he doesn't reach his ceiling. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily see the Jamal Crawford. I think it's more of like a... You know, I just very, the role, the role. Nothing about the skill set. No, yeah, I, I know what you meant. Like, I, I still think that it's, it's not really going to be like he's a scoring guard off the bench. Like, he's going to be a guy who is either your starter at point guard and is really good or is your starter at point guard and he puts up a bunch of empty numbers and doesn't affect winning for you at all because he's just trying to get his. Uh, I don't really see him being like a positive contributor as a scorer off the bench. That's not something that I see as being in the cards. Like To me, it's very much of an either-or situation. But I can understand where reasonable people would disagree. I feel like this would be the pick that we've talked about, this would be the pick you would like the least. Oh, 100%. I've been pretty open about that. Um, it, you know, in, in the short amount of time that... Or actually, no, Markkinen would be the pick that I would like the least. I, yo, I think... I don't even consider him in the conversation. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they did come out and say last night, we want guards and wings. So it doesn't seem like he's going to be 
in consideration, but that would that would be the pick I would like the least. Smith is next. Um, and Isaac I would pretend to hate because he went to Florida State and actually like think he's pretty good. But this is my of the of the the five point guards in the consensus top ten. This is the guy that I like the least of the five. So, and I know that there are people that think you know he's the second best point guard in the draft. You know, so it's uh, people are all over the map on him. So where uh, let's let's keep going here though. Where do you come down on the fit with Porzingis one to five? I like this more than you. I'm going to go four and a half. I worry a little bit about him getting KP shots and rhythm, but KP will open the lane for him. I think he's a good enough passer that he will advantageously use Porzingis to get himself offense and also help KP get offense. It, offensively, it would be a very, very good fit. Yeah, I had a three and a half. Um, I think he would benefit enormously from Kristaps. Uh the lane would be wide the hell open for him and he would get to the basket, you know, kind of at will. You know, he does that anyway. And you saw how much Derek Rose benefited from from Kristaps out there and how, you know, wide the driving lanes were for him. It helped him get to the basket more often than ever before in his career. It helped him at the beginning of the season finish significantly better at the basket just because there weren't as many guys challenging him in the paint. I think Smith again would would derive huge benefit from that and, and certainly for him it would work out very well um the the side that i would worry about is how Kristaps would benefit from playing with smith you know i i don't think he's a bad passer certainly he's a pretty good one but he's not a guy that you know when he turns the corner he's going to be looking for Kristaps as his first option he's going to turn the corner and be looking to get all the way to the basket and he's going to like it's going to be a similar sort of thing where you're going to see Kristaps popping out wide open behind him as he comes downhill on a screen and it's just going to be like nope instead I'm going to you know take a 10 foot short jumper over a, a guy near the rim instead of making that pass I, I, I see that happening a lot if they wind up taking it and that's something that I'm not particularly interested in seeing happen again after the miserable experience of watching it throughout this past season My- my hope is that he's never played with a player like Kristaps and he was just playing around a bunch of shitty shooters and he'll Oh, well, nobody has. Rose hadn't either. But Rose was also older and his way of playing is was more ingrained, I'd say, that maybe... Yeah, look, I'm, I'm not trying to say that, like, this guy is 2016-17 Derrick Rose. I just see a lot of similarities in the style and uh, I think that... They, they took that style for a test drive this year, and it worked out much better for for Rose than it did for Kristaps and than it did for the Knicks. And it, it, would, it would sort of show me that, again, like, not that they're the same player, but the style and the way they do what they want to do to me is very similar. And, and it would show that they, they thought it was good to, to this year, you know, and, and it just wasn't. Like, and and I don't want to. I hate being so pessimistic about it because I think he's going to be a good player. I just don't like it for the way that they want to. That that I want them to do things. I'm a little bit more. I think I'm more open to the idea of Smith than you because I, I again I it link this links back to what I said earlier. I think the Knicks' offensive issues this year were much more about Rose and Melo together than KP with one or the other. That's, that's fair enough, obviously. 
we we've agreed on more than we haven't throughout this series, but this this seems like the one guy that I am kind of I don't I don't know if I'm much lower than anybody else because again like the, the the level of talent and the level of athleticism is crazy. Um, I just really don't like him for the Knicks. Uh, uh, I would be very happy if he went to go play in I don't know Minnesota or something like that. But Fox, we're assuming, isn't going to be there. The decision, the choice between Smith and Nika, the French point guard. Nilakina. Nilakina is very, would be very interesting to me. I think, I'm outside, I think Smith is the most unlikely player that Phil would take. And I think they would take Nilakina over him. I don't know what the hell to think in terms of their likeliness. And, you know, we'll talk about that when we get to the triangle fit here. But who who the hell knows with them? I, I wouldn't guess anything about what they're likely or not likely to do. Let's uh let's let's go to defensive potential um uh, on one to five here. This I had trouble with this one too. Um because again the, the size and the frame and the athleticism are there and he should be able to do it, but he sort of just didn't uh at school and I went with a three and a half because I think he should be able to be an above average defender, but I'm just not convinced that he will. Yeah, I go. I go four. I just because I think the most likely outcome is he's average. Like if he really, really put everything together, maybe it's a five. But I don't see that as a realistic possibility. He does have some tools that you like, but a lack of discipline seems to stick out. So I'm gonna stick with a four. I think a lot of it also depends on how big of an offensive load he has to carry. If he's a guy who has to carry his team offensively, I don't see him giving too much of a shit on defense uh, enough to be an impact defender. I think, you know, that that sort of weight on him, you know, he obviously had to carry a lot of that NC State offense throughout the season, and I think that played into some of the, the fact that he was not as impactful a defender as I think he should be based on his level of athleticism and and the and the body type that he has, and if that's true in the NBA, also I could easily see the same sort of thing happening. Even though to me, like he has all the markers of a guy who should be again a, an above average at least defender. So I think a lot of it's going to depend on what sort of a team he goes to and what his offensive role is there too. He looks like someone whose frame could fill out a little bit too. But he, I thought his shoulders were pretty broad and his upper body looked really strong. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely got broad shoulders, and I, I think he was pretty well built already. I don't even know if he needs to add that much, you know, size or strength to his frame. Like, and, and that's why I think it was disappointing that he wasn't a good defender. Like, he should have been able to physically affect the game. He should have been able to affect it with his athleticism, and he did it at times. You know, you mentioned the steal numbers that were pretty good, but he wasn't, you know, solid enough or consistent enough, and that's something that worries me on that side of the ball, too. Those are those are a hundred percent fair criticisms, and that's that's definitely part of the reason I couldn't go to a five on them. Yeah. So, what about the triangle fit? This is something that, again, probably not a long term concern, but probably a very big concern for Phil Jackson. So, it's uh, it's something that could factor pretty heavily into whether or not they take a guy at number eight. Where did you come down on this one? Uh, two point five. I mean, if you're gonna have him, he's a point guard. You want to have the ball in his hands and you want to put him in a spread PNR and give him space and let him let him work. Taking the ball out of his hands isn't really logical and defeats the entire purpose of having him on the roster. 
Yeah, um, I had a three, so I was higher on this. Uh, the only one on uh, on his whole rubric here that I was higher on than you. Um, I have all the same concerns, but I feel like there's enough talent there that he could figure out a way to make things work offensively. Like, I'm not super worried about him being able to find ways to score, and he'll do that in pretty much any system. Like, it's not the best system for him, Like just like it's not the best system for literally anybody else, uh, including, like, everybody that's ever played ever. Um, so... It's um it, it's hard to rank super low. Like I think the only guy that I ranked lower than a three, um, or no, I had Isaac at two and a half. But like I like I talked about with Lonzo Ball, I was like it's a zero because you should never run it. But you know even even him I gave a four because the skill set is there. Like I, I think that he's got skills there to be able to do it. So and and I think he's uh, fine. Just, just like they did last year, I'm sure Horner Sack, he incorporated plenty of pick and roll for Derrick Rose. If he had Dennis Smith Jr., I'm sure he would have incorporate plenty of pick and roll for him. But I was just discussing in the pure sense of what the triangle is. Yeah, same. But I, I, I think even in the pure sense of what the triangle is, he would figure out a way to, to get his ass to the basket and score. You know, that, yeah, that backside pick and roll. roll. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Because he would just take the ball and do. Yeah, sort of like Derrick Rose. Um, Anyway, uh, final question here, Dennis Smith. Do you think he could potentially be better than Kristaps Porzingis? I know as we've talked about on several of the other podcasts, uh, both of us are coming down no on this one, right? That would be correct. Yeah, I mean, I think he could be a good player. I think that the ceiling is super high. Um, I, I do not think that the ceiling is necessarily higher than Chris Stapps, you know, for a lot of the same reasons as some of the other guys, you know, I don't think he's going to be enough of an impact defender. I don't know that I necessarily think he's going to be a consistent enough shooter. And I think if they, although if they wind up on the same team, then there could be a scenario where he benefits so much from Porzingis that he winds up better and uh, doesn't make Porzingis better enough that he winds up worse. Um, but still, I'm going no. That was, that you yeah, you confused me a little bit there, but I think I got I it. I think I confused myself, too. <laughs> that was good. You should try and do it. Could you repeat that again? You think you could do it? Something about something about he benefits so much from Porzingis that he winds up better, but he doesn't benefit Porzingis enough that he winds up... I don't know. It makes no sense. We've done a lot of these, and it's late, and I, I, I'm not made, a big fan. Jared delusional, finally. Yeah, well, it's been a long time coming, and it's finally here. Um, Brian, thank you so much for doing this once again, man. I really appreciate it. And I'll talk to you next about De'Aaron Fox, the last one in this series. Thanks again, man. No problem.